With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Welcome back to another episode of the Prospects Live Dynasty Podcast. I'm your host, Eddie Almaguer. I am joined, as always, by my comrades, Ralph Lifshitz and Matt Thompson. Boys, we are down to about two regular season weeks, which means a fantasy season is down to two regular season weeks for a lot of us. Is there any league that you have a legit shot at winning coming down to the final couple weeks here? And if so... Don't give me kind of go, don't don't break down your team, but break down what needs to happen. Who needs to step up from that team for you to get that bag, Ralph? Uh, yeah. So I guess I'll lead with like, probably the uh, the heaviest hitter, but that would be um, that would be uh, my Tout Wars team. So I'm looking I'm looking relatively good there. I'm in third place coming out of this week. I had the highest scoring team. In the whole league, the whole damn competition, uh, by about looks like about 200 points over uh, Ian Conn. I'm about three games behind him. Um, somebody in second place that I'm two games behind, but uh, it's a close race. And I had the biggest week in the league this uh, biggest week in the league this week, uh, which obviously because it's a points league where we face off against the other 11 teams. So that means that I leave the I leave this week eleven and zero. Uh, so that's a big one for me. That's a big redraft league, obviously. Um, you know, one that I've paid a lot of attention to. My TGFBI team has been up and down. One day I'm up to like 103 points, 108 points. Next day I'm down to 94, 95. Really close race there. I feel like a million different things could happen. See how that shakes out. I'm probably not going to win that league, but I could probably push for like second or third. And uh, finishing the top 50, top 30, which is ultimately my goal. Try to at least, you know, maintain some of my rankings there a little bit. Um, and then, you know, sort of the big one. I don't know if I'm going to end up winning it this year. Uh, I'm in second place. It's a relatively tight race, but uh, I was, I've been in first at points. But over the last two weeks, the, te- the team ahead of me has pulled ahead. That's Devil's Rejects. That's that uh, league with a lot of different writers uh, that you know, you know, Eno, a bunch of guys from uh, Baseball Prospectus, Dynasty Guru guys. Um, I'm actually in third as of today, so I fell down to third. 
Um, but it's 177, 174, 170, and the fourth place team is 160. So kind of shows you that it's relatively close between that group. Um, really just about pitching and, and guys sort of uh, executing. I think, you know, probably like on that team who I need to step up the most, oof, I got Bregman back. I got Gleyber Torres back. Um, I need him. Those guys certainly step up. Victor, Victor Robles has been killing me on that team. Um, then, you know, just my, my pitchers, man, I need, I need all the guys that I have in the lineup, like, you know, uh, Flaherty, I lost Max Fried, so I'm gonna have to replace him. Giolito has to pitch well. Um, you know, Peter, I got Adam Wayne right there. Unfortunately, I got a lot of good names though on the IL, man, between Max Fried in that league, Walker Bueller, Sonny Gray, uh, and the Dynasty League. So I still have Eduardo, uh, Eduardo Rodriguez. So, a lot of guys have had some bad luck on just on the pitching side, and that's really where I need the most points. Um, Tal or is it's just it's just about my pitchers, man. If the pitchers go out and they give you five innings and give up like less than three runs and strike out four guys, you'll win the you'll win the week. You know, um, it's just a, these right, so it's three leagues are wild. So cool. All right, so so three leagues. I'm I'm pulling for you in that top league, man. And that's that's a, that's a one of the the industry of the industry leagues, a lot of reputations are built and broken on so on on different top leagues. So best of luck to you representing the P Live family. Matt, you got any uh, a, a league or two where you think you have a legitimate shot at winning? And if so, who needs to step up? Uh, my pitching in TGFPI, I'm not going to win my um, league, I don't think, but I can still get top three finish. I'm, I'm currently fourth in my league. My pitching has completely fell apart. Uh, Sonny Gray, who I just lost, is the main culprit. But uh, I'm an equal opportunity guy. I'm not going to put all the blame on Mr. Gray. But, uh, you know, Adrian Hauser, Herman Marquez haven't been great. Um, Jack Flaherty's lack of innings has hurt me in the long run as well, to no fault of his. Um, but, yeah, just trying to be uh, – I've made up for my horrendous performance last year, but I'm trying to finish strong. So, uh at least be the best, Matt. That's, that's all we can ask of you this time. Around. Yeah, that's right now. I think I am. So hopefully, that good. Continues. Good from the worst to best. Uh, myself, I have two leagues that I think I could realistically win. Uh, the first of which is the Prospects Three Six Five Expert Dynasty League. Just today, I took over first place from Trevor Huth. Trevor had been in the lead for a couple of weeks now, two to three weeks. He was chart, you know, chugging along and. Little by little, my team plugging away. I think if I were to kind of come home and secure the win, it, it, it it's on the pitching side. So Clevenger, great complete game, seven inning complete game. Shout out today. If he can just do that a couple more times, man, that, that might seal the deal. It's just Ryan Yarbrough. If he can stop sucking, that'd be wonderful too. So just right. just really matter the pitching to come up, stay strong, Carlos Carrasco. And then I think I might be able to take home the inaugural year. Um, I'd like to say maybe Rotowire Dynasty Invitational. I, you know, I was flirting with first for a while there. And team just just taking injuries upon injuries. I also had Sonny Gray in that league, Matt, so I feel that pain. Uh, Zach Gallen blowing up on me recently. Uh, Charlie Morton just doesn't know how to pitch more than three innings anymore. So just a lot of tough oh. tough pitching uh, all around is kind of what's making or breaking my leagues this year. Uh, slightly disappointing as we kind of head into the final two weeks here. I expect a little bit more of myself nowadays from my fantasy leagues. I'm in plenty of them, but uh, some tough luck all around. Uh, all right, so... Best of luck to both of you. And uh, if you're listening, best of luck to you. If you got some some guys that need to step up. If we have helped you thus far with our Dynasty podcast this year or taught you a couple of things, I think the last podcast was very well received. We talked about certain contact breakout guys and what to look for for these contact first guys. 
you know, what what separates a Tyler Freeman from the Cleveland, Cleveland Indians versus a Nick Madrigal? And why do we think Tyler Freeman can come into more power? It already looks like he is versus Nick Madrigal. And why we think he can't come into more power immediately. So if we've, te- if we've, if we've taught you some things, please go ahead and rate us on whatever platform you listen to us. Five stars. It does help us. And on Prospect Slide, this thing, a couple of things I want to promote. Uh, first of which is uncut gems is no that's not the adam sandler movie that induces a heart attack from how much how anxious i get when i when i when i saw it. that's actually <laughs> white kleinberg's uh, new series uncut gems it's he takes someone a picture um where i should know i think he might do hit it but i know he, he likes pitching a little bit more he takes someone who has some innate skills has some hidden talents and talks about what's gone wrong and what needs to happen for him to get better. This first episode is Adam Conley, like myself. White is a Marlins fan, so he chose a, a Marlins up first. And Adam Conley man, has some really intriguing traits on his fastball, the way he delivers, and the certain the way his fastball moves from that delivery gives him like this nice upside. But uh, he talks about how uh, Adam Conley needs to kind of drop and drive a little bit more. Uh, how Adam Connie's ass figures into this. Just a lot of, uh, you know, interesting information that White really digs out. Very analytically minded, but he, he he writes it in a way that's easy to understand with graphics, with video, with GIFs, all mixed in there to kind of give you a nice visual picture. So Uncut Gems, big recommend. And of our biggest announcement over the last week is officially revealing the Prospects Live Scouting Division. We are ramping up, getting ready for 2021, where we'll hopefully have a lot of, uh, minor league seasons, uh, uh, well, a minor league season to to get through. And in the meantime, we are revamping the way we do our offseason list. More details on that coming soon. But uh, certainly we are now scouring, if you're listening or if you know someone who's really into baseball and, and attends minor league games and they are interested in this initiative, we have we are in the process of completing a, a very in-depth scouting handbook compiled by James Chipman, our new scouting director, who has years and years of scouting experience and just has knowledge of different organizations, how they do their scouting. So we're including all of this into this handbook, which we're going to disseminate to our evaluators. And it's a really exciting way to learn how to evaluate minor league talent. We'd love for you to be part of our team. If you're interested, uh, hit up askprospectslive at Gmail, or you can ping us on Twitter. Uh, we do have a pinned tweet on our Prospects Live Twitter with a little bit more information as to what we're looking for. If you happen to be in Texas or somewhere in the Southern League, bonus points. We are looking a little bit more closely for people in that area, but certainly welcome anyone who's interested overall. So super excited about that. Let's turn now into the Dynasty Fun stuff. We'll kick it off with a little hot and cold. Um, we just kind of thought it's up right before the show. We, we started the show. Uh, someone who's hot, someone who's cold, and we'll kind of give our thoughts on it. First up, boys, Luis Robert, the man, the myth, the legend who we were pegging for AL Rookie of the Year, maybe two weeks in already. Uh, In the month of September, uh, only, you know, only about 11 games. Pretty cold, y'all. 135, 233, 216 with a homer, a couple steals. Uh, The walk rate about 9%, which is pretty solid for him. 28, 29% strikeout rate. But he's gone ice cold, luckily. The White Sox have Eloy Jimenez, Jose Abreu, Tim Anderson. Those guys are still hot as heck. But Luis Robert just kind of gone gone dark for a little bit. Matt, uh, this I feel like this doesn't surprise you. No, uh, this is why Luis Robert doesn't rank number one in prospect lists, right? Because the plate skills are the question. And guys with plate skill issues, contact issues more notably, because he, he's walking more than we thought. 
uh, contact issues are going to be prone to the ups and downs, and that's where we're at now. Um, I mean, he came out nuts in August when the season started and was, was in July, August, and was hitting the ball all over the place. And right now I think the book might could be out on Louis, Louis Robert. I mean, I'm not advocating, like, dropping him or anything because you, you can't with the stolen base upside even when he's not hitting. But at the same time, like – you can't be all that shocked this is coming, right? I mean, he's a guy that's, you know, a lot of indicators were screaming. We were kind of laughing one day. I don't know if it was on the show or maybe before the show, Eddie, you and I were talking about how we didn't know how he was doing what he was doing with the under-the-hood numbers, and I think they're kind of starting to catch up to him. Things level out for a reason, right? Yeah, certainly. His his uh, It was, like, just, like, league worst in – in, in, in like, outside swing rate, I think, like Highest swing and strike. Which it was is- just the, the the ice was extremely shaky beneath his feet, and one of the things that pitchers have certainly the first adjustment that I kind of noticed at the surface level is in his first month in August, uh, it was you know pitchers with a fastball at least they were hitting him down the middle, maybe slightly away from him, uh, but this time around they are almost staying completely away from the heart of the plate, and it's been all high heat, and he has yet to adjust back to that, so. That's the first thing. That's the first move he's got to make. They're almost. They're like. It's rare now that a pitcher is throwing anything below, uh, like uh, below the top third of the plate uh, with their fastballs, and that's kind of the big, the big change thus far. Uh, we know he can hit mistakes, but if they're challenging you at the top of the zone with the fastball and then you can't catch up to it, or, or they're getting caught strikes there, it makes each at bat way way harder. So that's kind of the big, the big first adjustment that Luis Robert has to make. Ralph, any um. Any thoughts on, on on our boy Louis Robert here as, as to as he kind of goes ice cold in the month of September? Yeah, I mean, I think we all expected um, at some point for him to go cold and have, you know, a rough patch. It's going to happen to any hitter, no, regardless of what the profile is like. But uh, especially one like him, you know, is sort of, you know, prone to a little wildness, aggressiveness at the plate like this. Um, but the funny thing with a guy like Robert, um, and sort of the tough thing if you're a fantasy owner is he's a guy that can can turn that around at you know any point in time with two or three at bats <laughs> across a couple of games you know a couple guys are on you know a two run double a couple of steals you know um, a couple homers you know with two swings on bad pitches and all of a sudden you know the numbers look good again so uh, you know there's going to be growing pains I think we all thought he would come down to earth a little bit he kind of had to um but he's also the kind of guy that could turn that around really quickly just by the nature of uh what his game is sort of made up of so i wouldn't be too worried you know but uh i guess the numbers and the batting average had to stabilize a little bit right right yeah and i'm kind of i'm I'm very curious to see how he finishes the month of month of september still have close to three weeks left in it but getting some you know some very early uh Aristides Aquino vibes, you know, from the Reds last year. He came up, had a ridiculous month of August where he torched everything sent his way. And then in September, again, ice cold. And he, frankly, did not make the Reds this year because of that. Now, Luis Robert has a place within the White Sox for a long time, especially because of that contract he signed. So he's not in danger of losing playing time. But uh, when it comes to the question marks of where he goes in drafts next year, uh, I'm right now I'm in a void. Just because I'm a risk-averse person, and that's just my nature, uh, I, I want to see someone do it again. So that's the code portion of our hot and cold with Lee Robert hitting 135, 233, 216 in the month of September. Hope he turns it around. He's always fun to see. 
Uh, now for the hot part, Sixto Sanchez. Uh, on Sunday when we're recording this, he completed a his first complete game as a professional against the Phillies, his former team. You always always love it when uh, pitchers do that or hitters do that, kind of smash on their former teams, which puts Sixto at 32 innings, 169 ERA, 3.26 FIP, and about a 24% strikeout rate, 4% walk rate. He looks a really, really solid pitcher. Every time the Marlins take the mound, uh, excuse me, every time he takes them on, the Marlins really have to feel like they have a chance to win it. He, he can limit the runs, and he might be their most dependable pitcher right now, even with the cast of Sandy Alcantara and Pablo Lopez. Ralph, I'll start with you. Um, Sixto Sanchez, I mean, I, I'm, I'm certain he's blown your expectations away a little bit, but yeah. kind of how have you assessed him after 32 innings of what he's done st- thus far? Yeah, I think, you know, um, Sixto has a few things going for him. Um, you know, number one, anytime you have a, you know, 98, 99, 100-mile-per-hour fastball, uh, especially when it's a, a, you know, a sinker like that and it has sort of the the run that he gets, you know, on his fastball, um, you know, it's going to work and it's going to, especially, you know, it's going to play up your secondary offerings. Um, we saw how elite the changeup was. I think everybody was kind of out there saying this is a seven pitch. And, you know, I tend to agree with that based upon what we've seen so far. Um, But he, you know, he finally saw a right-handed heavy lineup um, last time out. Well, I guess two times ago. Um, And he was, he was incredibly heavy in terms of the slider. I did not watch his start on uh, Sunday morning or Sunday early, uh, unfortunately. So I don't know what his pitch breakdown was there. You could probably tell, tell me I could even take a look at it in a second. Yeah. Sliders. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, against the righties, he's showing the slider. We knew the slider was plus. I think the big question coming in is he'd always had three potentially plus pitches. It's funny. I went back to a player battle that we had done a while back, and it was Matt Manning versus Sixto Sanchez. And I think we did that. a couple of us, us like Manning. Um, I liked Sixto. Um, I was really high on Sixto going into last year, and I think I tempered my expectations in terms of fantasy just because I wasn't sure how many bats you would miss. Well, we're now sort of seeing, I think, a better, more powerful, um, uh, longer-lasting, energizer bunny version of Sixto. I was trying to think of the right word, but see, you know, his endurance seems better. He seems thicker and stronger. Um, he's getting deeper into games. You know, his strike throwing and his command is better. Um, I think all that probably has to do with just you know getting stronger, getting more refined, um, and he's now got two secondaries that grade out as plus or better. I think that's realistic. And he's got an incredibly high velocity fastball that, you know, whatever flaws there are at this point in terms of his movement profile, um, they're sort of not accentuated. I mean, I know his four seamer hasn't been great, but um, it seems like he's gone more sinker heavy. He's working in the slider more and we're starting to see like the whole, the whole picture. Um, The other part of his Miami is a great place to pitch. So I'm sure that probably helps out too when, when he does make, you know, a mistake here or there. So it's a combination of a guy that's sort of just culminating before our eyes into, I think an easy top 20 pitcher next year. And I would, I would venture to say he's probably a top 10 dynasty guy. If we redrafted dynasty teams or drafted dynasty teams from scratch right now, um, just with the excitement and everything else, he's going to go early in drafts and, uh, yeah, I mean, it looks for real. There's no reason to knock it. Um, he's essentially throwing truly four, you know, four different pitches with the two fastballs. Um, sequences really well, and 
he shows the ability to command his stuff and control it. So he's hitting spots and he's hitting it in, you know, in the zone in the general area that he wants wants to go. I mean, he's dotting a hundred on the corners and on the black constantly doing the thing. Same, I've seen him do the same thing with the slider, and I've even seen him do it with the changeup. So um, when you can steal strikes like that, and guys, you know, have to respect it and they miss it consistently, um, you know, regardless of you know maybe some of the underlying stuff, there's just there's just so much unique there, you know, uh, and he's a hell of a lot of fun. I mean, he's just fun to watch. He's very athletic in the mound, you know, the, the big leg swing, you know, I know uh, the, po- the poses he, after the strikeouts yeah, exactly. are my favorites. Yeah. He's got swag. So, I mean, he's, yeah, I mean, I, I love six though. You know, I definitely would move him up. Um, I, you know, I'd even argue that based on guys that are still prospect eligible, he's probably, I might even say number one, you know, um, just because we're seeing it here on the, on the big stage and uh, Mackenzie Gore is not up yet. So, you know, that's exactly. fine. I can move him ahead. I can, I can be reactionary, but it seems like there's good cause. Uh, and, and just to kind of put a bow on, on, on his, his start from today, it was uh, what I love from six toes. I mean, it's, it's four legit pitches and he, he threw his slider more than he threw his changeup, 19 sliders, 16 changes. And the important thing was, I, was, I, was, I had a chance to watch that game. I was actually building a couple of chairs as I was watching it. Uh, he got a lot of caught strikes with the sliders and he was able to kind of freeze hitters and, and steal a couple of strikes and then kind of hit him with everything else, right? Put him in, put him in holes. He only really got in trouble when he kind of went back to the, to the sinker and the change of a couple of times. And, and because they do mimic so, so the same movement, if batters kind of need to expect it, then they would kind of, you know, wait for it essentially uh, in the seventh inning. He got into a little bit of trouble because of that, but he eventually got out with a really hard ground ball. I think Kyle garlic, I think it was, but yeah, man, uh, I, I'm with you. I, I echo everything you said. He's been a really exciting prospect and uh, Matt, I'll put you in the hot seat kind of off of Ralph's final thought there. Is Sixto Sanchez, while he's prospect eligible for two to three more starts, is he the number one prospect pitching prospect for you? Or do you think someone like Mackenzie Gore or Hazel Lizardo is still top guy? Oh, man. Lizardo just graduated, thank- thankfully, because he was, oh, he was, excuse me. You're right, you're he right. was tough up. to rank on prospect lists. Maybe Spencer Howard, Casey Mai, Nate I Pearson. Fear, I fear that Sixto is going to come a couple innings short of graduating, so we'll probably see him in our next year's prospect list, I believe. But uh, – the thing with him, you know, you can make the argument, and, and I don't know if it's, um, what is, it, what what was the term that Ralph used? I don't know if it's, um, when you get new data, it's not really changing. You you know what I mean? When you get new data, it's presented to you. I I think it's it's completely fair to move guys up and down, right? And we're seeing sure. better health. We're seeing. The changeup is truly a seven, which I don't think anyone had any concerns about that. But I think the other pitches are playing better than we thought, and that's the big thing. So I might still go Gore higher, but I'm also getting a little worried that there's probably a reason why Gore might not be up right now. And so maybe read into it too much, but I think I'd still go Gore because I had Gore ranked probably too high in my first iteration. So I'm going to stick with Gore, but six has got to be two. I don't think there's a, another guy it's a close. Conversa- it's a conversation. Yeah. You know, I don't th- I mean, I think it's a two horse race, though. I don't think there's another guy that you could have a conversation with. I think it's just them too. And, well, I mean, and, and a lot of this, just unfortunately, I mean, pitchers are going to be pitchers, and, and it's just a lot of injuries. I mean, Spencer Howard uh, had just suffered an injury. Um, Nate Pearson, he's on the on the shelf. Forrest right. Whitney. Matt Manning. Matt Manning yeah. uh, Kopech is out for the season. You know, Patino has been okay from the bullpen. And then when you're in the bullpen, just your, your value is inherently just a little bit lower. Um, so, 
AJ Puck. Yeah, AJ, I mean, AJ Puck. Oh, man, that's yeah. just going to be sad. Uh, so, I mean, yes, it's not – Sixo isn't biting many guys, but at the same time, like, if you tell me, hey, would you be interested in a pitcher who hits 100 with, with control of that fastball, has a seven changeup, and yeah. has a has a pitch against you know a, a maybe we got too cute lefties. about it yeah maybe we got too cute maybe we should well, just... well part you know well, like part of it like you said though is having more information now that people are in the majors and we can make some some smarter analysis and smarter kind of rankings off of it which I'm, so I'm not, I'm not going to blame ourselves I'm not going to oh, blame yeah. ourselves for having six as low as he was in the preseason but yeah no but yeah I'm with you I think six though number one might be the move for me uh, Mackenzie Gore is the other question is the other guy maybe maybe we make that the next player battle guys i, I uh, it should be a fun, be fun fun article to write um okay so we're gonna take a quick break when we get back we have sticking to this uh pitcher theme overranked dynasty pitchers we have six names coming at you two from each of us pitchers we think are just a little bit too high on prospect lists with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case i pronounce you lucky Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. Welcome back. Let's talk some overranked dynasty pitchers. Uh, Ralph, uh, first question for you, though. Wh- what do we consider overranked here? What do you, when, when you hear that word, what are you thinking like, hey, like just pure number of spots on a list, guys who in the consciousness of dynasty owners shouldn't be as high as they are. What does overranked mean to you? Yeah, I think it's probably more the latter, um, where it's it's heavily based and influenced, I think, on pedigree. And um, a lot of times that, you know, a guy is uh, a, well, a well-known player um, on the college level. He's a well-known and a famous prospect, somebody that's highly ranked on draft boards. Um, and then maybe doesn't take necessarily the, the professional game uh, the way we want them to. It could be a guy who has huge stuff, but, you know, we haven't seen him put it all together in a meaningful way, uh, meaning, you know, maybe he hasn't had sustained success, uh, moved as quickly as we thought, um, got hit a little bit harder than we thought. Maybe the control isn't there. Maybe he's just a guy that has really good stuff that hasn't missed as many bats as we thought. Um, and, you know, potentially p- perhaps we're just overreacting a little bit to whether it be the stuff, whether it be the performance um, or the pedigree. So, you know, I think a lot of it comes down to sort of overreacting. Um, and sometimes it has to be, you know, has to do with people being sort of take committed to, well, I said this guy was a top player coming out of the draft and uh, he hasn't had, you know, bad seasons and you're reluctant to maybe move somebody who, you know, we potentially know is better ahead of them um, just, just based on principle. So, um, and I think we've we've seen that we've seen that even play out, you know, a little bit. Um, I love Casey Mize, but certainly Casey Mize shouldn't have been ranked ahead of Sixto Sanchez, right? We were wrong about that. I was I was wrong about that. Um, and I think I was probably one of Sixto's bigger defenders over a long period of time. So um I think and the funny thing is Sixto might have been the kind of guy that people said was overrated. Like in a conversation like this a year or two back. Oh yeah, I'm guilty so of this. Just take that with a grain of salt. Um, but I think this is just, you know, in terms of, uh, doing our due diligence 
and going back and looking at our boards and saying, all right, you know, what guys could potentially bust or aren't as good as maybe we think they are. This guy doesn't deserve to be a top 100 guy or a top 200 guy. Uh, and I think especially when we're talking about picture, pitchers uh, and we're looking at a board like our top 500, you know, I, I, I wouldn't take, you know, top 100 versus, you know, a guy will say that's like 75 um, to 150 being all that far apart, right? There's, there's more tiers and um, sort of groupings. And especially when it comes to pitchers, because there's a lot of, uh, concentration of pitchers, I believe, in like the 250 to like 125 area, just because of all these arms that could potentially be top 100 guys that are outside of it. Um, and there are guys that, depending upon whose board you're looking at, what website, uh, what writer, uh, they may have a lot of those guys that are 125 to 170 on our board or even, you know, up to the 200, 250 range on their top 100 just based on preference. Uh, so, yeah, so I think it's sort of kind of across the board there, if that makes sense. Cool. Um, all right. So I think we're, I think we generally agree with that. And, and, you know, we realize pitching is, is a tough, it, it's tough to gauge. And uh, we, we've spoken about it at length before in the last couple of podcasts as to trying to make do with the data points that we have at the time. Uh, so without further ado, Matt, uh, I'll actually kick it out to you first. Uh, give me the first pitcher you think is overranked. And um, I'll chime in, let, let people know where he was on our list our top 500 dynasty list that is. And, and keep in mind, we have not updated the top 500 dynasty since a couple of days into the season. I think we actually finalized it right before the season started and published it maybe three days after. So a lot of these ranks will be uh, a little old and, and expect these guys to likely move down from what you're hearing from what they're ranked right now. Uh, we will be updating the top 500 pretty shortly after the season ends, after we have a lot all the information of the graduations, of course, and guys like Sixto Sanchez. So, Matt, my friend, who you got as your first overranked pitcher? I'm going with the kind of recently traded uh, Matt Libertor, um, Cardinal prospect, former Ray. Um, I just I, – I, I want to clarify that this is for fantasy that I think he's overrated because I think in, yeah. in real major league terms, I think he's a – number three, number four, starter long-term, pencil him in the rotation for a while, assuming health. But for fantasy, I, I just don't really see the overall package. I think it's a an average fastball, and I think he's got one-plus pitch in the curveball. Um, the changeup tunnels well off the fastball, but they both are very inefficient. I think the Cardinals are there's, – there's some magic they can unlock with, their, unlock with that if they can get, you know, better – get him to spin the ball a little bit better, but uh, – I think he's going to be a very hittable guy. Uh, he's kind of a larger frame. Not a lot of what I'm drawn to when I look at my pitching prospects, as you'll see, like the the guy that's on this list that someone else wrote on here is the opposite physical. They both throw with the same hand, but like you know, Daniel Lynch is a, is a bigger is a, is the kind of build that I'm looking for for pitchers, and Libertor is not that kind of guy. Um, so Libertor number one thirty six, right before we launched uh, uh, on our initial top five hundred list. So if you were to maybe to adjust him um, on your own personal rankings, I believe you had him in the one. Looking here, you had him in the one thirties as well, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, right. One thirty four. Where would you put Libertor now? I would probably bump him down. It's tough with graduations and stuff. He might end up kind of being in a similar spot, but. I would maybe go 40, 50 spots lower. Okay. Uh, I don't think that organization gets a lot out of their arms. What we've okay. Seen. So I think that's part that's of fair. it as well. 
getting traded from Tampa, I was always, you know, Tampa gets a lot out of what they out of their players. So there's a reason why they're willing to part with him and not some of these other guys on the team. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's that's sure. my way of thinking. Let him prove me wrong. I hope he does. Great. It helps you on the real life standpoint as he's my favorite team. And I always want to see these guys do well. So hopefully he proves me wrong, but Libertor is my pick for this. Um, hey, t- Tampa's lost some trades, man. Jake Cronenworth, Tommy Pham, you know, not they, they, to, that's not, not looking to, too hot. <laughs> you want to uh, talk about so, losing trades, you can talk about the team that acquired Libertor. Yeah, well, yeah, the Cardinals have their own fair share of, uh, <laughs> of trades they've lost recently. Uh, all right, so Matt Libertor is your first guy, Matt. Uh, Ralph, give me your first guy here. So I'm going to go for uh, another lefty that I guess is just uh, on the other side of uh, the uh, – the archway, right? In Kansas City. Across, across the state, I would say. Yeah. Across the state. All right. It's not it's not that close. But uh Daniel Lynch, Kansas City Royals prospect. Um, you know, I think Lynch is, is really good. Um, you know, he has I would say at least two plus pitches, yeah. you know, potentially can add a third. He's got a few different pitches that he mixes. He's got fastball, slider, curveball, changeup. He throws a cutter as well. He's got a couple of variations on the fat on the uh, on on the breaking balls. So you know he's a big guy, six foot six. He misses bats. Um, but you know, I guess the I guess the question for me is like, you know, how deep is this guy going to get into games? He's had some issues with health. Um, how many bats is he going to miss? He hasn't missed a ton of bats previously. Um, could he really be more of like a good number four or number five? And, you know, maybe Lynch um, isn't as good long-term as, you know, maybe we thought he was, and he was a lot closer to a Brady Singer or even like, you know, Bubich and and, and Cower. We finally see Cower as well. Um, than what we thought, we thought this guy was the standout. You know, I think at some point you probably even had this guy pushing top 50, top 60 on certain lists. Um, just based on the raw stuff and the size. And, you know, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not as enthralled by these, you know, sort of big pitchers any longer. It's more about, you know, the characteristics and the, and the movement profile um, and the data. And, you know, I don't care so much about the handedness or the fact that a guy is six foot six. I want to be able to pitch. I want to be able to miss bats. I want to be able to get weak contact um, and have somewhere to sort of go. Um, all that stuff is still possible with Lynch. But uh, I think there's a fair amount of projection, and he could be a guy that you know turns out to be like a nasty multi-ending reliever, um, or like a you know maybe a good mid-rotation guy, as opposed to I think a lot of times when we look at a guy like this, we look at you know maybe this guy could be a number two because he's a lefty, he's big, he's got stuff, he's got a bunch of different pitches, you know he's a, a strike thrower by and large. So there's a lot of reasons to like him, which is why he's a highly ranked prospect and he's a good prospect. And we like him, but you know just trying to be critical. Um, and find some guys that are maybe sort of in the back end of the top 100 that could get floated down, you know, 20, 30, 40 spots. I think Lynch is one. Cool. So uh, you kind of said it there. He was ranked 89 coming into the season for us. So maybe 130-ish is kind of what you're looking at. My ranking. Well, yeah, yeah. You, you had, uh, Matt, you had Lynch, I think, 50th. Uh, uh, from definitely the high man. I mean, I'll kind of give you the floor real quick. Um do you rebut anything of what Ralph, Ralph said here? He's an idiot. He's an idiot, <laughs> idiot, idiot. No, I, I just like Lynch in the AFL. I admittedly only saw him throw one inning, but I love. I mean, we he was hitting ninety nine, um, which the velocity's never been the question. The slider is a beautiful pitch. He's actually getting the changeup over for a strike as well. And again, 
I'm a sucker for the build. He's a 6'4", I believe one. 75 180 180 something like that he's real skinny projectable arm and kansas city's doing some good things with pitchers so i kind of like what they're going there uh he's the slider is a bona fide plus pitch ralph touched on it the plus fastball um his changeup's gonna be the separator i'm, I'm betting on it and uh, if he gets that he's a uh, number three long term maybe better than that okay cool love it love a little little discourse here so uh, that's that's daniel daniel Lynch for ralph Matt Libertorso for for Matt on the first names. I'll come up with the, with my first name here. Maybe a slightly a surprise to some. Uh, Clark Schmidt from the Yankees, righty. Uh, before anything, uh, kind of like how you guys qualified your first thing. I I think Clark Schmidt is still a top one hundred prospect. Uh, I think he's like a really high floor guy with two plus offering. He's well built. He's filled out. He he has all the makings of an innings eater that you would want. Um, he's actually someone I saw four times last year. I, I kept running into him in, in Tampa. He was a, the pitcher I saw the most, actually. Uh, I, I saw his best when his slider was so good that he was stealing strikes with it and, and putting guys away with it. And I saw his worst when his fastball would get flat high in his own and he became he became predictable because he would rely on that slider-fastball combo. Um, we had him 61 coming into the, into the year. Um, Ralph, you were actually the high man at 43. I was at the low man at 73. Um, I even pick on our friend James Anderson from Rotowire a little bit here. He might be the most aggressive in the industry on Clark Schmidt right now. He has him inside his top 40, I think at 35, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I just think that's someone that in general, uh, Clark Schmidt, someone who doesn't have a dominant sort of, um, I, I don't think even, even as good as the slider can be and, and how he can hold his velocity in, in games, deep into deep into games. I don't think he's that dominant sort of de facto guy on the mound for me. He's a really, really solid, sturdy SP4, maybe SP3 is what we're looking at here. Uh, but with with Clark Schmidt, I just I don't think I don't think he's as good as maybe we're making him out to be. And, and part of that is, and this is almost running counter to my normal sort of biases of ranking guys who are close to the majors higher because we've seen more of them and we've seen them dominate the competition in, in, in double A and triple a little bit more. But really, he hasn't had much experience with double-A AA or triple-A. Really high-A is kind of where he got most of his, his reps in. Uh, Clark Schmidt, I think he's going to be a good pitcher. But just when it comes to the fantasy aspect of it, and this is a common theme we've kind of all touched on here, is if you're if you're kind of on that SP4, potentially SP3 line, like that just doesn't get it done anymore in terms of how high can you go, how high can you rank in a dynasty list. And Clark Schmidt is kind of bordering that line for me. Um, his changeup, when I saw it, and, and and judging on that brief kind of cameo for the Yankees, it was still pretty firm at about 90 miles an hour, which is maybe four or five ticks different than his fastball. And not a lot of movement. Um, so he, to me, he's still just a two-pitch pitcher, and I, I need to see more than that from Clark Schmidt at this stage. He, he's 24, if not mistaken. So uh, yeah, the Yankees are great at developing right-handers. So, I mean, I, I'm not going to put it past him to, to make him great. But from what we have right now, from the data we see right now, uh, Clark Schmidt, Maybe more of a, 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 a 80s, 90s, maybe just around 100 in, in a ranking for my personal prospect list. Um, any thoughts on that, guys, before we kind of move on to Ralph's, what, uh, Matt's second guy? What do you think his role is for the Yankees in 2021? I think he's a, I think he'll be a starter. I mean, there, there's no reason he he wouldn't be a starter. And I'm, I, I'm trying to think of the Yankees, what that Yankees rotation is going to look uh, like David next Garcia year. over Schmidt for you, which I think is obvious, right? Yeah, I, I put I put Davy over over uh, over Schmidt right now. Um, I don't think they're that far apart though. If I'm being honest, um, I, I think next year what are we looking at? James Paxton probably walks right. He's a free agent. 
I don't uh, imagine what kind of money he's going to get. Uh, yeah, Luis Severino should be back. I don't. I don't know at what point though. Uh, Jordan Montgomery, he, maybe. Jordan Montgomery, uh, maybe Loisaga is kind of hanging out at some point. Uh, Tanaka, Cole, obviously. So I mean, I mean there, there's Herman, a throw a wild card out there. <laughs> there. There's a spot for Clark Schmidt. He'd have to win it though. He's not a shoe in despite sure. all these Yankees yeah. injuries. Um, but I think he's you know if there are if there's a minor leagues are back and then somewhat of a full swing, he'll be in AAA. Uh, getting his reps in and kind of being that first or second guy that gets the call, uh, and he'll be good, but just just not for my fantasy team. I don't, I don't think he'll he has that dominant thing that you want. SP four, SP five in a, in, a, in a dynasty world, Clark Schmidt, and that's why I think he's a little bit overrated right now in our fun little world of dynasty baseball. Um, Matt, th- you got a second guy? Oh, so, what did we say, Ralph? I'm sorry. One thing I wanted to add, I think isn't Tanaka a free agent after this year too? He might be. I feel he like he's might. just like a Yankee forever in my eyes. Paxton, him, Paxton, and Hap, but wow. he could be a guy. I mean, I wouldn't. I'd be shocked, honestly, if not could be signed. So, uh, you're right. You're right. He's in the last year of a seven-year, 155 million dollar deal. Uh, I don't see any club options if, uh, at, at first glance. So yeah, Tanaka will be turning 32 at the will be 32 at the start of 2021. So yeah, he he likely won't be part of that Yankees rotation. They're pretty good about churning guys in. So. Uh, again, might be a spot for Clark Schmidt. He he might have a chance to win it out of out of spring training. Um, Matt, give me your second guy that you think um, is overrated in the dynasty baseball world. This one is was, overranked, maybe not overrated. Yeah, uh, Brendan McKay for the Rays for me. Um, from a real life standpoint, I think you have to be happy with what he is when he's healthy. I know he's had a recent injury. I'm trying to look it up right now. I think it's a shoulder. I'm trying to get the details on it, but. Uh, Looking at a guy who throws strikes, uh, but I think the bat missing numbers he put up in the in his little major league sample last year, I think I don't expect those to repeat. Um, and that's kind of where I'm at with 93, 93 on the fastball. This um, in his little brief stint, but I think for fantasy from a fantasy lens, I think you're looking for more than a you know number four starter, which I think is a common theme with a lot of these guys we're talking about right now. Um, and I think the fantasy aspect from from uh, McKay also kind of tied into him maybe swinging the bat a little bit, which I don't think is going to happen on this Rays team as as they stockpile, you know, oddly shaped parts to play first in DH and all that stuff. They kind of <laughs> miss the mismatch of pieces they use over in those spots. But and I don't think ultimately McKay is going to be the 175 inning kind of guy we're chasing. I don't think he hits those numbers, and I don't think he carries over the big strikeout numbers. So I, I kind of bullish on uh, – uh, excuse me, I'm kind of pessimistic on Brendan McKay being an impact starter long-term. I think he kind of fits into this bucket of guys we're talking about now, which makes perfect sense. I don't think he's – he's a fantasy f- five-starter in my eyes. Gotcha. And, and just uh, – I forgot to kind of give the audience a little bit of uh, – uh, Clark Schmidt was 65 on our – Top 500, at least for me, he's going to drop a little bit there. Uh, and Brendan McKay, he is 58. He was 58 coming into the year for us. So he might drop as well. Yeah, I mean, injuries are always kind of the, the first reason I would dock someone. But from the very little we've seen of McKay, unfortunately, he hasn't hasn't blown me away just quite yet. I mean, he's such a solid high floor guy, though. I mean, I feel right. like he has like a good arsenal. And he shows some really nice stuff in 2019. But... To me, man, I remember watching his debut and it kind of persisted throughout the year was he just 
his he doesn't have a, like he, he you wonder how to weigh guys so yeah he struggled to put guys away and you wonder how by watching that he missed so many bad exactly this is, yeah and, and you you look at his numbers this is someone who routinely had mm-hmm. uh over like a you know 30 percent strikeout rate in the minors pretty easily so but right. again it is the minors and there's a minors and majors that we're using just for that uh ralph we got brendan mckay clark schmidt Daniel Lynch, Matt Liebertor, who's number five on our overranked list from you? I'm going to throw out a guy that uh, it hurts my heart because he's a player that I love watching down the Cape. I think he's a really good guy. Um, but that's Alec Manoa. Um, one of the reasons I'm going to throw Manoa out here is just a couple of sort of high-level concerns that probably have less to do with him as a pitcher, but more to do with uh, the Blue Jays organization being um, somewhat archaic, especially with how they sort of utilize data some of the stuff they do in training and internally um, is just a little bit more old school. And uh, he's also a guy that has some body concerns. And I think, you know, it would be fair to say that he's heavy two pitches that, you know, he's got this curveball or, you know, slider. It's a, it's a incredibly high efficient um, efficiency sort of offering, uh, which is one of the reasons that it has, you know, a ton of vertical movement, it's like eight inches of, you know, vertical, uh, excuse me, horizontal movement, like eight inches of horizontal movement, um, really, really sweepy and, you know, sort of tight. Um, Works at 86 miles per hour, definitely a plus pitch. Um, You know, the fastball wasn't bad. Uh, He gets decent extension because he's a big guy, but it's about, I'd say about average for how tall he is, about six, seven, Uh, you know, height is about six, seven, extension six, seven on the fastball. Um, he's a guy that's getting, you know, somewhere around, uh, sort of eight, you know, vertical inches of, uh, of rise. So he does get some rise in the fastball, but it's more uh, average. We'll say in terms of the characteristics of that particular pitch, um, despite having, you know, above average velocity on it. Um, changeup isn't great. Um, it's not awful, but there's not, you know, a crazy amount of separation most of the time, you know, if it is 10 miles per hour, it's good. Usually it kind of hovers somewhere more uh, closer to like five or six, which is an awesome. Um, It's a usable pitch, but once again, I feel like if this guy was in like the Reds organization, be way more jacked up about Alec Manoa and some of the things that, um, you know, a, a good pitching dev, and player development organization could really get out of this guy with sort of his raw stuff and his size and everything else that um, I just sort of worry about him being stagnant a little bit in the Blue Jays organization. And they really haven't shown the ability to um, develop a a ton of top talents. I mean, I guess they did okay with Nate Pearson, um, but Pearson's stuff, I think naturally is just so good. And I even wonder if like Pearson might be a guy that, potentially, you know, could have been the top pitching prospect in baseball if he was in the Dodgers or, you know, um, even Seattle, like some of these other organizations that are really savvy, not only with data, but really just in terms of applying that to coaching and player development and getting the most out of guys. Um, I just worry about that a lot with the Blue Jays and I worry about that with a guy who has two pitches, one in particular that's definitely plus one that's above average to plus because just with fastballs and everything else him being sort of down for the entirety of the year, um, not really knowing what he's been working on from a physical standpoint, not really knowing where he's at. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to trash because he could still be an awesome player. And I still think that he's you know, a good prospect, but um, 
you know, maybe he's closer to like 200 plus than sort of where we had him. Um, and that's, you know, we're, once again, we're digging through players that maybe it's sort of a, a hard conversation to have. Uh, and for me with Manoa, with my history down the Cape and you know, how, how highly I ranked him and really just view him as, you know, uh, a talent and an individual. Um, it, but honestly, I, I worry a little bit about his, his setup in the situation and uh, some of those other factors, you know. Well, and I think it says something that someone that you've seen like Bernard, maybe someone I've seen like Clark Schmidt that we're able to kind of take what we've seen and, and, and apply it now. And we've seen these guys and I think it maybe should be worth a little bit more weight to someone who maybe hasn't seen him and maybe passes some judgment on someone. Uh, now, can you expand a little bit? Because I'm curious here. I'm sure the fans are too. When you say that Blue Jay is a little bit more archaic, what, what are you referencing in terms of their pitching development? Um, they're just uh, they're not really technically savvy. I don't know um, how much they're using like Rapsodo data, Trackman data, um, some of those more advanced system analysts. I don't know how you know how much analysts are even used, um, and how much you know some of that. Uh, pitch data and um, sort of analytical and, you know, metric based focus that the good pitching development teams tend to do really well with. Um, I don't think in, as far as I know, um, Toronto is not very heavy into that if they use any of it at all, you know, and I'm, I'm being careful about some of the things that I say right now as well. Sure. Um, But yeah, I think a lot of it just has to do with, you know, they're not on the cutting edge like, you know, the Reds or the Dodgers or Seattle or Tampa or probably the way the Red Sox are or the, the Yankees, certainly. Um, and a lot of these organizations are, you know, catching up, whether it's, you know, the White Sox are making a big investment into it and the Phillies are making more of an investment into some of this information, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right on down the line. Um, Toronto seems to be, I don't know if they're as bad as the Rockies. I don't know a ton about the internal of the Rockies other than some of the stuff that's been reported. Um, but, you know, I would say that they're at or near the bottom uh, just in terms of uh, coaching along, pitching a little bit. I think you see it. Like, they have some talents in their system, but um, there's no guys that have, like, really – that's why they had to make these trades and sign a lot of these free agents. They haven't been able to – develop any of those guys into even good number fours and number fives, whether it be like a, you know, a Sean Reed Foley or a TJ Zock or, uh, you know, there's, there's other names as well. Um, you know, Patrick Murphy uh, might be another one that potentially comes to mind. He was a relatively high pick and these guys have been in the system for a long time. You know, I don't think Anthony Kay's gotten any better. Um, I love, you know, um, SWR, but let's, let's hope Simeon Wood Richardson. Uh, Should I sell my Simeon Wood Richardson shares, man? <laughs> I love him, but yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm with you, man. It's, uh, I don't know as much as you do in terms of like how, how they develop their, their internal guys. But and I think we might I think maybe we should dedicate an episode sometime in the future as to maybe the, the, um, the development systems that we like within organizations and how that leads us to maybe chase those specific prospects. We had that conversation last week about contact first guys and how the Indians have a monopoly on these dudes. And maybe we should be paying attention and maybe assign a little bit more weight to these guys because they're in the Indian system. Just as simple as that. And Matt, like you mentioned, like once Libertor left the race system, then wait a second, like he's not as exciting now as I thought he could be, you know? So it's, uh, I think I've read um, a couple of places here and there where someone ranks prospects and they say they rank him on a 
on an organization agnostic basis where they don't pay attention to what team they're in, just what the skills say. But I think that's kind of foolish because you have to acknowledge who they're with and what what a what a savvy organization might pull from someone. And just to wrap up Manoa, we have we had him at 157. Ralph, you already mentioned he might he might be about might be past 200 when we re-update this. And rounding down to the final guy, uh, maybe maybe cheating a little bit because we do have some, we have a lot of major league dead on him, but maybe that's kind of why I chose him. Uh, Jose Urquidy of the Astros. Uh, Urquidy was a popular ad last year. He kind of showing uh, plus control. I mean, it, it, the strikeouts were were above average and he was kind of a, a nice kind of kickstart to the Astros rotation last year. But in the very, very early going, only a couple of starts this year, um, I'm not liking what I've seen thus far. Uh, the strikeouts are a little down. He's he's become more of a really heavy two pitch guy, fastball changeup, um, and he's none of those pit none of his offerings, uh, fastball changeup or beyond, have elicited really any swings and misses. And he's not spotting it well. And he's not looking like a he's not looking like the potential SP three he did last year when he was a shoe in. And listen, part of that might be he got a late start to the year. I mean, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, guys. I think he was a COVID-19 uh, injury list guy to start the year that really dinged him for, for a while, right? Yeah, I know he missed a lot. I, I want to say yes, but I, I'm not sure. Okay. Yeah, I think I, I think he was. I, I can Google this for a quick second. But, um, yeah, yeah, it, it, it was COVID-19. And so that, I mean, it was over a month that he missed, right? That, that, that was a big deal. So I, like, I'll, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. But when he has returned, like, he did pitch a quality start, you know, most recently against at Oakland, which is tough. But uh, three walks, one strikeout. Um, I, I would ding him uh, for my own personal rankings. I don't I don't think he's in that top 100 conversation for me right now. Um, and again, it, it, it kind of runs counter to what I normally like. You know, I like prospects that are close to the majors because they're, they're about to contribute, and I'm inherently a win-now manager. Uh, so I value that just a little bit more. But we had Okidi at 121 uh, heading into the season, which is a good ranking. But if I'm not mistaken, I think I was easily the high guy on him. Let me see. Uh, I was... I think yes, you took him off of our list. I don't think did, he's not we, prospect eligible anymore. I think he might have. Oh, but gotcha. I think what you're saying is did, did he did he just did he just shed it? Is that what he it was? Just did. Yep, he was one with of the that, with yep. that start. Then maybe okay. All right. Well, uh, it would have been Jose Okiri then. So if you do have some Jose Okiri shares, and maybe yeah. maybe considering you know feeling feeling it out a little bit. Uh, let me see. Baseball Reference rookie. Rookie status still intact through 2020. Uh, okay, so I'll, I'll assume he's a rookie for now, but but we know he's on the he's right on the verge of losing it. Well, well career 50.2 innings. Okay, he, he might have just lost it. Uh, regardless, Jose Kiri, I'm down on him. Uh, prospect or no prospect, I'd be looking maybe to see what others might give me for him. Maybe someone is close to competing next year, and you're like, hey man, you want a young starter? Here you go. Um, that'd be my That'd be my pitch to you. So just to recap the guys that we have that think 50, are a little bit over point two innings. So he's point two innings over the limit. Yeah, just said it with that Oakland start. Uh, very mediocre Oakland start. But uh got rid of him. So we don't need to rank him anymore. Otherwise, I would have struck him down. Um, <laughs> so Daniel Lynch, Matt Libertor, Clark Schmidt, Alec Manoa, Brendan McKay, and Jose Urquidy. Uh, those were the guys we think are overranked pitchers. Next week, we do plan to do over, excuse me, underranked, underhyped pitchers. So, uh, the, probably the most, uh, one of the funner 
uh, episodes we can do because I know y'all are always digging for those guys to try to steal from league mates or pick up in shallow or keeper slash dynasty leagues. But um, other Props than that, uh, for picking guys that are close to the majors. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, Maybe not Libertor, but the rest of the group. Yeah, and I mean, I think again, it's it's we had a chance to. We have information on these guys, right? Like, I I feel bad saying Daniel Espino is overranked. I think we all love Espino, uh, but we've only really seen good from him, right? We haven't seen bad, and we we we've kind of seen some flaws on some of these names that we've listed. Sure. So. Uh, yeah, and, and again, like I mentioned before, the common theme has been some of these guys just aren't really dominant. And, and if you're going to chase dynasty league pitchers, uh, make sure it's someone who has a really strong carrying trade or, or, or a wide, expansive arsenal that they can command. Uh, otherwise, if you're you know a pitcher that has two and a half pitches and you're kind of treading water a little bit, then find someone else, trade them away. All right, that's going to wrap us up for this week. Uh, any any parting thoughts, boys, uh, before we, we wrap it up, Ralph, for the people on anything in the world? Tip your waitress. <laughs> Tip your waitress. Always a good always a good uh, piece of advice. Matt, what you got? Uh, wear your mask, and good luck the rest of the way in your fantasy right. season. Certainly. Two weeks left. Best of luck to everyone. And if you're uh, playing fantasy football, I don't care because I don't want to hear it. <laughs> Have a good week. We'll see you next time.